Whatever presidential leadership is, this is the opposite of that. Within our capacity to act, to make sure it never happens again, it's going to take a little time, and that we unlock the full might and dynamism of our economy and our people. That's what we're going to do. God bless you all, and may God bless the longshoremen, rail workers, truckers, and all the workers who are keeping our economy going. May God protect our troops. Thank you all so very much. And just like that, huh? We've got a massive shortage of goods. Christmas coming, and we may not have enough to give each other. And uh, he just walks out. He delivers some pablum, and then he just walked out. It's really bad, but Joe doesn't know anything. I mean, he does not know how to govern. He's been a gas bag his entire life. And what did he do? He appointed gas bags to very important positions. Uh, these are just three of the people hold very important jobs, but don't know anything. Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, and Lloyd Austin. Let's start with uh, Kamala Harris. She was in her element yesterday because she could... Um, Virtue signal and wag her finger at uh, white people and disparage Europeans. And uh, this is um, this is what she was made for. It is an honor, of course, to be with you this week as we celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, as we speak truth about our nation's history. Since 1934, every October, the United States has recognized the voyage of the European explorers who first landed on the shores of the Americas. But that is not the whole story. That has never been the whole story. No oh boy, here it comes. By the way, this is the American flag behind her, right? She is the vice president of the United States. Most leaders throughout the world, um, they put the best foot forward when it comes to uh, their nation, their history. No, not this administration. Uh, America is bad through and through. Those explorers ushered in a wave of devastation for tribal nations, perpetrating violence, stealing land, and spreading disease. We must not shy away from this shameful past, and we must shed light on it and do everything we can to address the impact of the past on Native communities today. I got to hand it to her. She's actually good at the virtue signaling, the wagging the finger at everybody. They look at me. I'm a person of color. Wow, aren't I sensational? Isn't this country crummy? That's fun. That's fun for her because the other stuff is hard work, and she's not about hard work. Most politicians aren't. Remember the border? Yes, it's still a total crisis down there. Everybody seems totally fine with it. Uh, the news can only cover it so much. They move on, they get bored, and other things happen. Um, now, the area beneath the highway, we should point out, has been cleared up, but they're still coming in like crazy. And don't forget, she was explicitly assigned the mission of fixing the border by Joe Biden. Remember the announcement? It actually happened at the White House, uh, made a big deal. This is going to be your responsibility. And like so much else, she's blowing it off. Who knows why? Maybe they want these people coming in. 
that's part of it. And also, she doesn't know. She doesn't know anything. She doesn't know how to fix that problem. Um, by the way, getting back to the Native American situation, that was what her speech was about last night, how bad it's been for Native Americans and how good the Biden administration will be, will be, nothing's been done yet. I'd like to introduce you to one prominent Native, Native American who spoke at last year's 2020 Republican convention, and he was a big Trump supporter. See, our people have never been invited into the American dream. We, for years, fought congressional battles with past congressmen and senators that were part of a broken system that ignored us. That is, until President Trump took office. President Trump delivered the largest financial funding package ever to Indian country. The president has reactivated the White House Council on Native American Affairs to promote economic development and rural prosperity in Indian country. Now, the fake news doesn't care about any of that because, after all, Trump's a white supremacist, right? I mean, why would they report that? Because they're too busy pushing that other narrative, narrative, stories. That's what it's all about. Uh, I want to talk about Lloyd Austin now. We'll start with Afghanistan, the horrible defeat in Afghanistan, which has basically been brushed under the rug. And everyone has moved on. But this was a stunning failure. Huge strategic ramifications probably for decades to come. And Lloyd Austin presided over it. There's, there's Secretary Austin. Now, he did fine when he was in the military. As Secretary of Defense, he is way out of his depth. I mean, even the optics, walking around with that silly mask on. I know people who know Lloyd Austin. I served in the military for uh, a great deal of time, nine years. And um, they say he's a very nice man, but totally out of his depth uh, at the secretary level. This is a job that he should not be doing, but he got it, well, for optics, because, well, the story and person of color, there are many people of color, by the way, more qualified for the job of Secretary of Defense than Lloyd Austin, but he's got it, and he loves, uh, I don't know if he loves it, but he certainly delivers the message that the Biden administration wants to hear. There's probably not a job that I had since I was a lieutenant colonel where some people didn't question whether or not I was qualified to, to take that job. It's the world I live in, and, and I'm sure that the other officers that you talk to would, would probably say the same thing. There's not a day in my life, David, when I didn't wake up and think about the fact that I was a black man. I would go someplace with my staff, and we were wearing civilian clothes. Somebody would come out to meet the, meet the general, and I wasn't the guy that they walked up to. So he's been dealing with it his whole life, and he seems to resent uh, America. I happen to know people who have been through similar circumstances, like Dr. Ben Carson. He didn't hold it against America. He knew there are a lot of factors at work when something like that happens, but it does happen. And uh, Lloyd Austin uses that moment to think the, the worst of all of us. But sadly, uh, I'll tell you this, he was qualified to be a lieutenant colonel, uh, but he's not qualified to be Secretary of Defense. You know, we make plans, as the chairman pointed out, uh, we, uh, as we did detailed planning throughout. And of course, uh, you know, we, we also did, uh, were in support of the, uh, the uh, state-led um, SIV, SIV applicant process. It got worse from there. And of course, he's trying to explain away the horrible defeat in Afghanistan that he has a major role in, had a major role in. He's responsible, in part, in part. 
I want to talk about somebody else, another virtue signal hire in the administration, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, he is, uh, I'll get to who he is in a moment. Let's talk about the problem that he's facing as Secretary of Transportation. That's his job now. You know, the ports right now are overwhelmed. We are facing a huge shortage of goods, especially with this coming Christmas. It's a complex problem. Uh, shelves are already bare in certain parts of the country. And um, Pete doesn't know a damn thing about this stuff. He does not know anything about it. Uh, I haven't seen shelves like this, by the way, since I was in Russia. I actually went to the old Soviet Union back in the 80s, and I saw shelves like that. I never thought it would happen in America. So enter Pete Buttigieg, Secretary of Transportation, boats, transportation, shipping, air freight. You need a real logistics superstar in a crisis, and he's not. Why did he get the job? Well, he ran for president. He had no business running for president. He's 30-something years old, mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and he wormed his way on stage. And guess what? The press, they really swooned because he's gay. I don't care if he's gay. I care about whether or not these people can do the job. He can't. He does not have the skill. He does not have the resume. Yes, I know he went to the fancy school. That doesn't cut it. This is why he's got the job. Listen. He's a Christian, a veteran. Uh, he's from the Midwest. Uh, and he's openly gay and extremely comfortable about it. He is the first uh, 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 gay candidate who is out uh, and proud uh, running in this election for president. Uh, that's the first time that's ever happened. Uh, John Dickerson went to South Bend to talk to Mayor Pete, as locals call him, about the goals for his campaign, his time in the military, and his sexual orientation, which separates him from the rest of the crowded 2020 field. Yeah, they could not stop writing about his sexual orientation as if that's going to help any of us right now as Secretary of Transportation. Again, that's a big job. We have a logistics crisis on our hands. You can't, I mean, being gay has nothing to do with it. Hey, I got to point out Amy Klobuchar, Democrat from Minnesota. I'm not a fan, but at least she had the guts to take on the media's favorite during last year's campaign. Uh, she went there. Uh, they didn't give her any credit. I do. And you know what? You have not been in the arena doing that work. You've memorized a bunch of talking points and a bunch of things. But I can tell you one thing. What the people of this country want, they want a leader that has the heart. A leader that has the heart. He did memorize a bunch of talking points. And there he is on stage. He shouldn't have been. But he was. He fooled the right people. He dropped out in South Carolina right on cue. And Joe Biden awards him with the job of Secretary of Transportation. So he's front and center on a day like uh, right now, this time period where there is a big crisis unfolding uh, with ships, uh, airplane travel, all kinds of things happening. And this is how he handles it with that. Do you find this charming? I don't. How bad are they going to get for Americans? And I'm talking specifically you know, leading here into the December holidays where people are relying on getting goods, on getting presents. Well, I think there's always been two kinds of Christmas shoppers. There's the ones who have all their list completed by Halloween, and then there's people like me who show up at the mall on Christmas Eve. If you're in that latter bucket, uh, obviously there's going to be more challenges. Isn't that cute? Isn't that funny? Uh, it's not. And by the way, that's about as substantive as he got this morning. 
on CNN. So look, when it comes to Harris and Austin and the other, I mean, they're not about governing. They're about politics, just like Joe Biden, just like all of them. And that's what they do. That's what they can do. That's what they like. And that's why they're freaking out right now about President Trump. President Trump is still very much a force. Did you watch the rally on Saturday night that we broadcast right here on Newsmax? He is as strong as ever, and it looks like he's coming back. And they have to stop him. Now, uh, today on the, actually earlier this week, Hillary Clinton showed up on The View. It was interesting for a couple of reasons. First, uh, they gave her a round of applause. Watch this. Uh, well, yes. yes, isn't that so something? Great. An audience. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Can't beat that. Real people. Vaccinated people. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> vaccinated people. <laughs> vaccinated people with masks on in the audience. Isn't that kind of interesting? I mean, the audience and then next to the panel, right? You see the difference? The, 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 the elites don't have to wear the mask. They're pretty close together. But the rest of us... The schmucks who <laughs> waited in line, they have, to, they have to wear a mask. All right, though. Uh, again, what else do they have to talk about? But Trump, that, that's their obsession. That's what, they, that's what they're afraid of. They don't care about governing. And uh, Hillary, what did she say? I think we not only came close to a full constitutional crisis, I think we're still in it. Yeah. Mm. And that gives me absolutely no satisfaction in saying this because I think we're at a very dangerous, continuing, high-level attack on the legitimacy of our government. Mm -hmm. We are still in the midst of a concerted, well-funded effort to undermine uh, American democracy. What crisis is she talking about? What is, what's happening that's a crisis right now? What is she getting at? Does she know something about the 2020 election that we don't, that she's afraid of people finding out? That would make sense. But right now, it's pretty intense time. It's the give and take of politics. But they're trying to say, oh, it's a danger. It's existential. They do this to silence us, to silence people on the right, because they're afraid of Trump. They're afraid of his supporters. Remember what she called us. Never forget that. Never forget that. So they're sounding the alarm in a big way, and I think their motives here are very, very sinister. Over on MSNBC, hey, it is a legitimate, fair thing to have concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election. That's okay. It's legal, but they want to make it seem like it's illegal. 56% of us have deep concerns about that election. So there was a rally in Michigan. The guy's running for attorney general there. And they had to demonize him, criminalize him. Look at this from MSNBC this morning. The Trump-backed Republican candidate for Michigan Attorney General attended the rally and called out the state's current attorney general, Dana Nessel, by name. Take a look. I've been threatened by Dana Nessel. She thinks people who support election integrity should be criminally prosecuted. I have been told, in fact, demanded by our elected officials to stop talking about this issue. I have been told to stop talking about America first values. I stood up and I fought to try to vindicate President Trump. Dana Nessel doesn't value your rights, but we need an army to fight. Well, I think that's just chilling. 
Michigan's Attorney General Dana Nessel joins us now. Um, I guess first I'd ask for you to respond to what you just heard, what we just played, um, and that you were threatening this man, uh, and also the chanting in the audience. Here we go again. This is my favorite part. <laughs> oh, sorry, the microphone doesn't work. But did you hear that? Oh, my goodness gracious. They were chanting. They were chanting in the audience. That must be deeply disturbing to you. This undermines democracy. People coming to talk about public events in a public square? So chilling. How could that make anybody afraid? I wonder. I wonder. I wonder what they know. Um, I'll, I'll give this to them. They have to go to extraordinary means to back up Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Uh, let's face it, Joe is, uh, he's not talented. He never has been. He got lucky at the age of, of 29, and uh, he's been lucky ever since, but his failings and his shortcomings are so apparent. And you know what? Donald Trump, in the 19, late 70s or early 80s, he was interviewed. This is his first national television interview. Back then, he foretold the kind of person he might run against someday. Joe Biden, in so many ways, is the typical classic politician. And somebody with the kind of views that are maybe a little bit unpopular, which may be right, but may be unpopular, wouldn't necessarily have a chance of getting elected against somebody with no great brain but a big smile. No great brain but a big smile. Sounds like somebody we know. <laughs> Sounds like somebody we know. And ultimately, Donald Trump would face uh, this man, and this is one of my favorite moments, actually, in all of presidential debate history, when the benefits of common sense and practical, hands-on experience trump years of being a gas bag politician. Check it out. We are energy independent. I know more about wind than you do. Oh. It's extremely expensive, kills all the birds. It's very intermittent. It's got a lot of problems. And they happen to make the windmills in both Germany and China. And the fumes coming up, if you're a believer in carbon emission, the fumes coming up to make, make these massive windmills is more than anything that we're talking about with natural gas, which is very clean. One other thing. Find me a scientist solar. Said that. I love solar. But solar doesn't quite have it yet. It's not powerful yet to to really run our big, beautiful factories that we need to compete with the world. Very interesting moment there, in my opinion. After Joe does the laughing and oh, oh, oh he realizes, switch goes on, uh-oh, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. This guy has actually been there. I saw it before my own eyes. If you look at it again, you can tell. You can tell he's like, uh-oh, he actually knows this stuff, and I don't. All right, when we come back, I'm going to show you the Democrat governor of New Jersey throwing his career away in just 20 seconds, he said the dumbest thing in the world, and I think it's all up in smoke, so we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view, and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app, and it downloads directly to your smartphone, so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. 
Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? All right. So there was a debate last night in New Jersey, the gubernatorial debate. The incumbent is uh, Murphy on the right there, the angry looking fella. And the Republican challenger is Jack Cetarelli on the left. Uh, I quite frankly, in my opinion, I thought Cetarelli won. He was smooth. He was competent. The other guy was angry, irritated, but he totally, totally blows it at the end. Look at this stupid stunt. These are his closing remarks, the incumbent governor of New Jersey. We have to keep moving forward. We cannot go backward and we cannot afford an extreme leader. There's so much on the ballot. Uh, there's so much at stake. Do we stand with our sacred democracy or do we stand with, with uh, Confederate flags and white supremacists and a pack of lies? Do we stand, do we continue, do we continue to make the tough do we continue to make the tough calls based on science and data to save as many lives as we can? Or do we put lives at risk because we play politics? Do we stand up for women's reproductive freedoms? Even his supporters, even his supporters are shocked, shocked about the race card, playing the race card against a moderate Republican, Chet Gitarelli, in New Jersey. There are no white supremacists there. I think he should put the uh, race card in his suit pocket and get the hell out of politics. That was a terrible, terrible thing to say. And I think he's going to pay big time. Keep an eye on that race. Election day is a couple of weeks away. Jack Cittarelli, the Republican. Murphy, the Democrat. We'll see what happens. All right. Meanwhile, on cable news, how's this for virtue signaling? Crimes and injustices against women go unsolved uncovered and unpunished at alarming rates around the world. This is a societal crisis. And if you are a woman of color or an indigenous woman or a trans woman or a woman living in poverty, the system values your life even less. It's time we hold violence against women, black, white, Hispanic, indigenous, poor, wealthy, all women to the same standard of outrage and action. Uh pandering, right? A weird kind of pandering. I don't know what's going on there, but it doesn't sit well with me. Are they apologizing for the excessive coverage about Gabby Petito? Maybe that's one thing. Hey, white women, by the way, they mentioned kind of barely there. Uh, they're under fire big time. This uh, cancel the Karens movement. You're a white woman. You say one wrong thing and watch out. Somebody grabs a cell phone. You could lose your job. You could lose everything just for standing up for yourself. Got to be real careful out there. Um, the Gabby Petito case, you've heard about that. Tragic story, excessive media coverage, sure. But look at this, this is classic. This is one of the reasons why people can't stand the media. So we know now that she was strangled to death. The coroner ruled, ruled that, uh, announced it last night. It's a homicide. Listen to how they handled it on the CBS Morning Show. Let's go to today's eye-opener, It's Your World, in 90 seconds. 
This is an unprecedented shock to the global economy. It's created huge bottlenecks in supply chains. Gridlock at America's ports means skyrocketing prices. How this could affect your holiday shopping. New details in the murder of 22-year-old Gabby Petito. A final autopsy shows she died of strangulation. We believe this is strangling by a human being. Did you hear that? Da, 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 da. Music. I mean, like it's it's tone deaf is what it is. Start your day with us and strangulation. And I, I think it's very insensitive. I, I do. There's a way to handle it. And that's not the way to handle it. All right. Our vetting of Joe Biden continues. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? Now, to be clear, some news organizations like ours, we were vetting Joe Biden all last year and even before that. And so was the New York Post. The New York Post is probably the most important newspaper in the world. And today they commemorated their own coverage because they broke the Hunter Biden laptop story, which, let's face it, uh, reveals some potentially very severe corruption. But what happened? The rest of the media pretended it wasn't a story. Big tech literally chased that story off the Internet. And like the Post said, uh, they got away with it. They got away with it. And, you know, a couple of days after this story, we had debates. Remember those big debates? We had Chris Wallace pretending that this stuff never happened, covering up for Joe Biden. The same for that woman from NBC, Kirsten Welker, I think her name was. Whenever they started talking about Hunter Biden and his laptop, she stopped everything and said, gentlemen, gentlemen, let's bring the conversation back to race. Let's bring the conversation back to climate change. We can't talk about Joe and his possible corruption. I can. I still can. And I think a year later, as I did it last uh, last year, I'm going to remind people that Joe Biden definitely, definitely lied to every single one of us. When he was confronted, the only thing the fake news actually did for him during that debate was facilitate his denial. Take a look. There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the care. Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now yeah. another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly be. what is this that's where you're exactly going? what this is going. where he's going. The laptop that, right. is Russia, yeah. Russia, Gentlemen, Russia. I want to stay on the issue of race. I want to stay on the issue of race. But Joe Biden is actually correct there. He said he got 50 national security officials to sign a letter saying that the laptop looked like Russian disinformation. And some big names signed that letter. Take a look. CIA, former CIA directors from both parties. But this is how this is how nasty the swamp is. These guys, this was a deception campaign. They engaged in deception because the laptop is legit. Nobody has been able to refute it. It is legitimately Hunter Biden's laptop. They signed that letter, but they gave themselves a little bit of an out. If you look through that big letter, and I highlighted this last year, take a look at this little part. We want to emphasize that we do not know if the emails are genuine or not, and that we do not have evidence of Russian involvement. But you see, they were able to put 
together this letter. Well, it looks like it could be, but we don't know for sure. And Biden was able to stand on stage. This is one of the reasons, by the way, there are lots of ways to screw with an election. And this is one of them. And this is one of the reasons why 56% of Americans believe that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 election. Cheating can happen in all different types of ways, including censorship of a story that could hurt Joe Biden. Could have actually taken him out if it was treated uh, the way it should have been treated. I'll be right back. Finally, a little bit of good news for those still incarcerated as a result of January 6th. A United States federal judge is asking some key questions. Take a look at this. A U.S. judge calls for the Justice Department to have a civil rights probe into D.C. jail's treatment of January 6th detainees. Inside the story reported that the failure of D.C. officials to turn over medical records is more than just inept and bureaucratic jostling of papers Judge Royce Lambert said in a hearing, raising the possibility of deliberate mistreatment. And also, he's holding uh, one individual who runs the D.C. jails in contempt. Yes, in contempt. Uh, this, is a, uh, this is a big deal, and I'm grateful that there was a judge uh, like Royce Lambert out there, finally asking the right questions and saying, this is still America. That's what it seems like to me. Uh, we have uh, Mr. Worrell still in custody. He's a friend of Newsmax. Uh, we all believe that he's being treated very, very unfairly. He has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and the conditions that the jail uh, are maintaining, look, he could die up there. He's not getting adequate care. This is a big problem. Uh, the jail, public officials have been asking, hey, What's going on in there? Let us in. Remember when uh, Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene showed up at the jail? They would not let them in. They would not entertain any of their questions. So finally, a federal judge has stepped up and is asking the right questions. We will keep an eye on this. And oh, by the way, we'll be talking to Mr. Worrell's fiance in just a little bit. Her fiance is still in jail. All right. We want to talk about Ben and Jerry's now. The ice cream guys. Uh, look, I'm not a big fan of their politics, but I like their ice cream. Um, not all the flavors. I won't be ordering this anytime soon for my grocer's freezer. You know, they got the Black Lives Matter flavor. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, but look, peanut butter and chocolate's okay, and some of the others. Um, they don't sell in Israel, which I find totally bizarre. And both of these guys, by the way, are Jewish. Uh, but they won't sell in Israel. They have concerns about uh, uh, the arrangement over there. So somebody from Axios went up to visit them in Vermont, I presume. That's where the company is based. A young woman of color named Alexi McCammond, and she's the first to tell you she's a woman of color. I've seen her do this. And it looks like the guys just fall all over themselves uh, to appease her. Whatever she says is going to go. Take a look at this. If you disagree with the Israeli government policy, why not just stop sales completely? Well, I disagree with the U.S. policy. We couldn't stop selling in the U.S. I think it's fine to be involved with a country, to be, to be a citizen of a country, and to protest 
some of the some of the country's actions and that's essentially what we're doing in terms of Israel. You guys are big proponents of voting rights. Why do you still sell ice cream in Georgia? Texas, abortion bans. Why are you still selling there? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's a it's an interesting question. I don't know what what that would accomplish. Looks like this young reporter is about to shame them into stopping selling their ice cream in Georgia and Texas. It's pretty wild. You know, a young woman of color walks into a business and starts pointing her finger and saying, and guys like that just fold. It's interesting. Uh, She said this, I became a journalist to help lift up the stories and voices of our most vulnerable communities. As a young woman of color, that's part of the reason I was so excited to lead the Teen Vogue team in their next chapter. Now, she made that statement after she was let go by Vogue magazine because she was caught um, with a racist past. She said all kinds of racist things against Asians not very long ago. During the Obama administration, she was tweeting horrible things about people who did not look like her. And this is the face of journalism. She's a hot ticket right now because... uh, She's a woman of color. Believe me, that is a big deal. It makes all the difference. Not the content of the character, but the color of the skin. That's what it's all about right now. Okay, be right back. Eric Bowling is back, and he's fighting big media, woke politics, and cancel culture. Every afternoon, Eric's new The Balance tells the truth and exposes the big lies. Watch Eric Bowling every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. Ah, January 6th. It wasn't a good day, but give me a break. They're trying to make it sound worse than Pearl Harbor, worse than 9-11. It's totally crazy, I believe, totally political. Now we hear, and this is actually a bit of good news, that a judge wants a federal probe of what's happening in the D.C. jails where some of these protesters are still being detained, are in custody. I'd like to bring in two of our favorites, Congressman Devin Nunez, Republican of California, ranking member of the House Intelligence Community, and uh, Representative Louis Gohmert, Republican of Texas, sits on the House Judiciary Committee. Welcome to you both. Congressman Gohmert, first to you. Man, this is uh, obviously they are exploiting this, the left. Uh, But how do you feel about the uh, news that Judge Lambert uh, finally is looking into this? Uh, He seems to be deeply suspicious of what's going on. Well, and he should be deeply suspicious because people have lied. They have mistreated prisoners. Uh, Just when uh, four of us were there at the D.C. jail, they uh, played the tricks and, and lured us outside and then ran in and locked the door. I mean, that's outrageous. And now that they're They've lied and repeatedly stonewalled not just one, but more than one federal judge. Then uh, those chickens are coming home to roost. Uh, You don't mistreat federal judges like that. Um, Congressman Nunez, how about this? I am hearing more and more from the left that uh, the Constitution's at risk. Democracy is in peril. Using this over-the-top language, and I feel like they are— Well, they're up to something. They're trying to demonize conservatives all over again. And, you know, January 6th is a favorite vehicle for that. Where do things stand right now in your book? 
Well, look, I think they stand where they've stood for five or six months now. And I've been asking the question, who broke the windows? Who actually damaged the federal property? It seems like I'm a member of Congress. Judge Gomer is a member of Congress. We ought to be able to get those basic answers. The fact that they're not releasing the video out to the public, I think, is another red herring and a big concern. So, look, I'm glad that a judge is finally stepping into here. I still don't understand how many of these people were picked up in their home state, brought to Washington, D.C., under what pretense? Why? Why not just let them stay in their home state? Why are they being treated? And this is, I think, the question that everyone wants to know. Why are the people in January 6th being treated differently than other Americans? There's two-tiered justice system. Nothing's been done to the people who burned down our cities, killed lots of people, injured lots of cops. Not a damn thing's happened to them. And now you have these people on the January 6th issue, totally political. Did you say that we don't know the names of the people who broke the glass? No, we still don't know. That's the question I've been asking. Like, just tell me who they are, right? I mean, those are the people... They're rioters. They destroyed federal property. I want to see them prosecuted, right? The people, you saw the hammers and the people that broke into the windows. But then there's probably a whole bunch of other people. I have to remind everybody, it is the people's house. Normally, people are allowed to enter into the Capitol. So if people were just let in like a normal day, uh, you know, I don't think anything should be happening to those people. Yet how many of those people were just let in? that are being held in that prison. We don't even yeah. know. There's even people that weren't, that didn't even enter the Capitol who are being held. Congressman Gohmert, you've been in uh, the House of Representatives uh, 15 years or so, right? Yeah. Did, a little did, longer, yeah. A little, 16 years, 15 years. Did you ever cross paths with Joe Biden back when he was a senator and you were a House member? I'm wondering, like, this is a two-tier system. Uh, they're treating these folks like domestic terrorists, but there's no legal justification for that, as we all know. So um, why would he let that? Is there any decency left in Joe Biden? Did he ever have any? Uh, well, he seemed decent back in the day, but uh, I'm not getting that impression now, uh, neither from him nor whoever is behind him calling the shots. But uh, let me say also, we keep hearing from Democrats that this was an insurrection and that all of these people were insurrectionists. And that's why we have got to hold them in, in terrible conditions and mistreat them and not let them get medical treatment. And yet, Greg, there's not a single person who has been charged with insurrection. One of those popular charges is that they, uh, they delayed a, or obstructed a congressional session for about six hours, four to six hours, when the fact is there was a huge part of the Democratic Party in the House that obstructed a session of Congress for 26 hours. So I'm going to be asking the attorney general to go after those people. They they, they deserve four times as much treatment uh, or mistreatment if they think that's appropriate for these guys. Uh, yeah. They were real obstructionists. You know, I used to watch a lot of C-SPAN Nine, all the way back to the 80s. And people act up in those hearings all the time. All the time they've been disrupting and they didn't make it a, a, a huge federal case. Well, I'm glad you gentlemen are on this. Thank you, Congressman Nunez. Thank you, Congressman Gomert. Uh, to be continued, I'd like to bring in, at this point, Trish Priller. Her fiancé is Chris Worrell. 
And Chris Worrell is currently in custody, in federal custody, related to January 6th. He's been a guest on this show. I believe Alex Stravro also joins us, Chris Worrell's uh, attorney. Welcome to you both. Trish, first to you. How is your fiancé doing right now? When's the last time you talked to him? Um, I spoke to him this morning. He had a two-hour rec time from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Um, he's emotional. He's he's stressed out. He's anxious. Um, every day is something new uh, emotionally for him. It's difficult. And what is his medical condition again? It's a serious one. Yes, he has a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And they're not equipped to handle that in the D.C. prison, are they? I wouldn't think so. They can't handle his tooth that he needs to have a root canal on and um, just general medicines. I don't think they can handle it. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. I'm so sorry he's there. Alex, how can you get him out of there? Hey, we got we to we do something here. What, what can be done? What is being done? Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on the show. Of course. Um, would like you to know that there is a uh, motion for reconsideration of Mr. Worrell's conditions of release that is pending before the judge. Um, what prompted this morning's hearing was the court seeking an update from the attorney for the United States, as well as myself, in regards to uh, Chris's medical condition, in regards to his cancer, and more specifically in regards to an issue concerning his hand or his finger. Um, the information was provided to the court, but of course, neither attorney could provide the information in regards to the um, status of the surgery that was required for his finger. And the judge wanted to, or in essence, issued an order inquiring of the D.C. jail why those records were not um, previously produced and why there was a delay in producing those records. Uh, because it's my belief that the judge wants to utilize the information, um, not only the medical information, but the information from today's hearing to make a decision on whether or not to release them. Charges against him are serious. Um, can I ask you about that? I guess the most serious is that he used or carried a deadly or dangerous weapon in relation to his violations. What do you have to say about that, sir? Well, the, 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 the deadly weapon is, you know, is alleged to be mace. Um, certainly, you're not allowed to have mace on capital grounds. So, uh, but to the extent that Mr. Rowell was not one of the individuals that ever went into any part of the Capitol building, he certainly is one of those individuals. Yeah, no, it was not in the Capitol. And Mace, by the way, <laughs> a lot of people carry it in New York City uh, as a matter of course. Alex, thank you for joining us. Trish, thank you. Please give Chris our best. We're thinking about him and uh, keep in touch. Oh, I would like to put this on the screen, please. www.givesendgo.com slash G26PQ. Uh, GiveSendGo.com slash G26PQ. Uh, Trish is a, an executive assistant at the Naples Daily News, but this is a way you can support Chris Worrell. We thank you, Trish, very much, okay? Thank you for having us. You bet. Hang in there. And uh, I, know, uh, I know he's a man of faith, and uh, I know this is tough, but I think, I think it's all going to work out. I pray that it does. Uh, thank you. We pray that it does also. Thank you for having us. All right. To be continued, we'll be right back. John Voight, one of the greatest actors of all time, speaking from his heart. You have given our rights to the devil, and this is not God's plan. Yes, freedom of speech, of one's own truths, but not 
to force, to change the rules to a rule of chaos. He had a lot to say about Governor Newsom and what's happening today. Check it out on our Newsmax social media websites. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show. I did. I really did. Do me a favor, though. Tell your friends what we're doing. Word is getting out and uh, exciting things are happening. We want to grow our audience. Can you help? I think you can. I'll see you tomorrow.